Hey, industry listeners, you can catch every episode of the industry podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Amazon Music. I want to tell you a little bit about our partner, WeatherWorks. For over 35 years, WeatherWorks has provided timely, accurate, and dependable meteorological services to clients in both the private and public sectors. Their customized services are vital in the decision-making processes for an efficient and cost-effective operation. Whether you manage a large retail property, own a snow removal company, oversee the safety of 80,000 spectators at a professional sports venue, or use weather data to drive business decisions, WeatherWorks offers the best customer service and the most innovative meteorological solutions before, during, and after the storm. It is Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. Welcome back to another episode of The Industry. My name is Levi Jett, joined by Carlos Correa. Yes, sir. It's working out for you finally. You've mastered the on and off. I mean, their second take around, I I figured I'd I'd be yeah. more on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the first time we went like five minutes into it and then remembered we're not recording video. And then we did start recording video and I realized that, hey, you know what? It's probably going to look really weird when we're just sitting and not saying anything as like my voice of um, the crappy intros start. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Um all right, so this episode of the industry uh, is our landscape kickoff. Uh, landscape season's right around the corner. April 1st, a lot of um, contracts oh, yeah. start. And so, really, Carlos is going to give you the lowdown on what you should be doing if you're a provider, what you should be expecting if you are a customer, and some other tips that he's going to throw in as well. Um, we're also going to get another weather update from WeatherWorks. And we're going to talk about the uh, the crazy storm system that's making its way across the country right now. So, Carlos, you ready to go? Yes, sir. Let's do it. This, this is The Industry. A show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jett. All right, here we go. Another episode joined by Carlos. So happy you're uh, you're hanging tough, still with us. Um, you know, thank you, thank you. I'm sure all of our tens of listeners are excited too. Um, to all the thousands, and thousands, and thousands of fans that 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 we have and that followed me throughout my career. I appreciate every single one of you. Are you getting letters or something that I'm not getting? Dude, I get fan mail like crazy. Um, I get all these packages with all these clothes to wear, and I, I just I can't choose everyone, man. It's it's yeah. if 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 you're sending me packages and with your product, I'm sorry if you don't see it in the videos, but I am trying to wear every single person's products. Okay, well, <laughs> if that's not bullshit, I don't know what is. 
no, I I wish that was the truth. If you are listening and you do want to send us something to wear, we can wear it. You know, we're we're both good looking. Uh, yeah, guys I like hats. For some stuff, you know. You like if hats. your company, if you want to send a company hat, you know, I'll wear it. Yeah, you I can know, see right? Russo. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Russo, it's Russo. Uh, hey, what is it? Shout out to Russo. Shout out to Russo. Russo? Out to Russo. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Give him, uh, give him a spot. Give him a spot. What is Russo? Russo's is our local equipment um, store, so you can go in and buy all your equipment, any all of your equipment needs, all your fertilizing needs, all your trailer needs. I mean, it's a one-stop shop for the landscape industry, so shout out to Russo. Um, they are big in the Chicagoland area. Um, everyone really uses them, so great customer service, great products. Yeah, I definitely have seen their trucks up there um, driving around before. I don't think I've ever passed the actual facility, but I have seen their trucks. Um, okay, so we're going to get to landscape in a little while. First, we have to talk about what took place um, over the weekend in Mississippi and Alabama. Uh, so very violent um, severe weather outbreak. Uh, this was forecasted for days in advance uh, by the people, the National Weather Service and the Storm Prediction Center. Uh, they, you know, were able to pretty pretty much bullseye uh, exactly where this was going to happen. Um, and so, what what did take place was a um, the EF five tornado was on the ground for over a hundred miles, um, and just absolutely um, decimated. Uh, small town after small town. And so there's, you know, pretty significant death toll, which is interesting because uh, nowadays with all the advanced warnings and the, the advanced information um, on what severe weather can do, you know, I'm not saying we don't have deaths, but we don't really have big numbers like that um, with tornadoes as much anymore. Uh, but, you know, this is the exception. Um the storm was the tornado was two miles wide at its base. Insane. It's frightening. Um, I don't even, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And I mean, you know, it's something that if, if it's right on top of you, you cannot run it. Um, well, and then like we were talking, you know, when we were off, uh, not recording the, the sound, I mean, it would, this, I can't even imagine how it would sound, man. That, Yes. That alone is scary. Some of the witnesses said that, you know, the roar with this tornado was something that they have never heard before and will probably never hear again. Um, you know, it happened, you know, overnight. Uh, well, I mean, it happened like in the late evening around eight or nine, but it was still dark. Um, so you couldn't see it unless it was illuminated by lightning. Um but just, you know, for a storm that big to be, you know, moving around the entire state, um, relatively unseen, like that adds to the, the, the level of terrifying, um, that that really is. And so some, some of the towns affected by this tornado, um, we're talking about Armory, um, Mississippi, Rolling Fork, Mississippi, and Silver City, Mississippi were some of the hardest hit towns. And you take a town like Armory, um, the town is two miles wide and, you know, this tornado comes through and it, it didn't directly hit the entire town, 
Um, it pretty much from the maps I've seen kind of cut it in half. Um, but the part of town that got hit is completely and totally decimated. I mean, it's not sometimes tornado damage. You see, you know, some roof damage and things blown around. No, I mean, everything was flat. Um, it had completely destroyed everything in its path and done that for, you know, miles and miles and miles after, um, finally reaching Alabama, uh, where, you know, the tornado ended. Um, but if you're not familiar with severe weather, not familiar with tornadoes, it is extremely rare for a tornado to be on the ground for a hundred miles. Um, most of the time it's, you know, a, a couple of miles. Um, and then, you know, the EF5 rating is rare too. I think I read that it was 10 years since the last EF5 tornado that we had in the United States. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's terrible. Um, and you know, if you're in anywhere in any geography where a tornado can happen, you know, really makes you think, okay, what am I going to do in a storm like this? You know, where is my, you know, tornado safe place? And really, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if like an interior closet or an interior room in your house would have protected you from this type of tornado. Um, it really goes to show, I, I think that maybe more, um, like community tornado shelters are necessary, um, through, you know, a lot of these communities and really a lot of places in the Midwest, central plains, um, I, I really, after, cause I was down not that far South, but I was in, um, Southern Tennessee that day and driving back North, um, and then driving through Kentucky, I pulled off for gas and a drink at some gas station and some small town that looked like it's probably eventually going to be destroyed by a tornado, you know, like the type of town I'm talking about. Um, you know, it, it's real small and I mean, just, Oh yeah. Maybe it was just because of knowing, you know, the, the, the looming threat, uh, it was stormy there, but just had a creepy look to it. But anyway, um, driving through that town, you know, they, they had signs posted around town, um, to a tornado shelter, which, you know, I, I don't usually see that. In fact, I'm not sure if I ever have seen that in Indiana anywhere. Do you I don't think that? I've seen anything around here. No. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, why aren't there more of those? And, you know, I mean, I don't know if that would have, you know, saved any lives, um, over the weekend or not, but, um, definitely something that, you know, we should all be thinking about is, you know, what do we do in a situation like that? But I mean, mo you also got to think about it. Most of these towns are older towns, you know, built in, you know, how many years ago. So I don't really think they're, you know, they were ever made to with withstand, you know, a, a storm, you yeah, know, this I mean, size. It's, it's a farm town, you know, it's, it's, you know, going to be um, real small, you know, town center type of area. Um, like you said, I mean, it's not. You know, basements might not be all that prevalent. I don't know. Um, and because, you know, we kind of talked about this before too, you know, where, you know, tornado warnings, especially in Mississippi, I mean, they, they happen all the time. And so, but it's rarely, you know, something that impacts you directly. 
you know, may mm-hmm. hit, may hit the town 20 miles north of you or 20 miles south of you, but you know, you keep missing them for all these years. And then something like this happens. Um, and it, you know, hits you direct. So now on the other side of this storm system, um, was, you know, cold, severe weather in the form of heavy snow, uh, places in Wisconsin receiving over a foot of snow. Um, and then another component really stretching from the snow portion through the severe weather portion, um, was the high winds that accompanied the storm, uh, wind gusts anywhere from 40 to 60 miles an hour accompanying this system as it moves across the country. And then in Indiana, um, in Kentucky and Southern Illinois, Missouri, um, we looked at a, a pretty serious flood threat, um, from, you know, four to six inches of rain throughout that area. And I'm going to tell you, so, you know, coming up back from, um, Tennessee, I was driving in, I think it was Kentucky still. And, you know, just driving along was in the fast lane, um, listening to the radio, wasn't much traffic out raining like crazy though. This car going southbound in the fast lane um, opposite of me, I just happened to look up and see it like it lost control. And I mean, the person had been going 70 miles an hour, you know, like they were going interstate speed and lost control, hit the median, came up through the median was that close from hitting me like went right behind my truck and then crashed into the barrier on the shoulder of the road. And, but it was because of hydro. That's land. scary. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. But the, 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 the amount of water that was on the road, it wasn't like it was because the other areas were flooding. It was just, the rain was so hard that it was causing a ponding effect over the entire roadway. And if you're unfamiliar, you know, driving at speeds, uh, driving at high speeds, you know, making, you know, quick corrections. Um, If you are on a ponding type water environment, your wheels aren't touching the asphalt or touching the water. Mm -hmm. And so it's very similar to ice um, where you have no control. And, you know, after that, I saw, I think, two or three more wrecks on the way home um, that were, you know, pretty nasty looking wrecks. And, you know, my truck was sliding quite a bit. Um, there, there, there was more than a few times that, you know, I had to, you know, kind of touch the brakes and, um, you know, back off my speed a little bit because I was starting to get a little squirrely. Um, but no, that sounds like. That, that sounds like driving in whiteout conditions, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, now <laughs> it's horrible. I, I, I could see better with the rain versus whiteout conditions. Um, yeah. Remember Denver, how, how hard it was snowing when we were up there, man. Denver was crazy. <laughs> there was cars everywhere on the highway, just stuck. Yeah. And the snow was so hard packed I couldn't see on the, the road. I couldn't see the plow in front of my truck it was crazy there was so much snow that there were sections where like manhole covers for example where you know hot water goes through it where 
it was a decent like it was like a pot like you were hitting a pothole just yeah. because there was so right. much snow hard packed onto the road from the roads not being cleaned and that just one section where it didn't where man like i'd bottom out with my truck and i was like holy you know, like, <laughs> why? why? Why is this happening? Yeah. No, Crazy. I remember uh, passing a dude, like, he had his shirt off and he was jogging. And it's like, I can't see to, like, the end of my truck. And, like, I passed this guy. Lucky I didn't hit him because, you know, couldn't see him until the very last minute. But it's like, what are you doing, man? Like, you out here trying to commit suicide or something? That's crazy. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense, but no, the, the, Hey man, to each their own. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, so yeah, this storm moving on, uh, prompting, um, you know, severe storm watches and warnings, um, in Alabama and Georgia on Sunday, uh, or on Saturday rather. And, um, you know, bringing a snow threat up to the Northeast, and more heavy rains and wind um, kind of in between those areas. So just, you know, seems seems like this winter we've had a lot of potent storms that have just been, you know, a lot, a lot of wind um, and really had kind of a winter of a lot of damage um, from the wind, from the heavy rains, uh, much more than we're used to, I think. All right, Carlos. So landscape season. We are in late March. We are on the doorsteps of April. It's here, man. Yeah, it's here. So it's here. What are are things guys either should have been doing or should really be getting done this week to make sure that, you know, they're ready to go for the, um, for the beginning of their contracts. So for, Everyone should already by this time. I mean, I'm not. I'm not throwing shade at anyone, um, but you should have contracts signed. Um, your clients, whether it be residential or commercial, um, should have already been reached. They should have received the letter uh, sometime in February. Is usually what um, where we do it. Send out letters. You know, hey, how you doing? You know, season's around the corner. Let me know if there's any new services that we could help you with or in the, you know, and then you just um, give them info when you're starting um, any changes on your end and contracts should have, like I said, should have already been out and signed for those who who use contracts. Um, So really right now it's equipment, getting your equipment ready because you don't want any breakdowns in the middle of the season because breakdowns is downtime and downtime is money. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's, you know, works the same way with snow. You know, you have to make sure that your your equipment is up and ready to go. Um, you know, you cannot wait until the first time you use it to realize that, hey, this is broken. And now I'm screwed. Oh, yeah. Same same goes, with, you know, any all your equipment from your truck, trailers, um, your mowers, your blowers, everything, man. Make sure everything's good. Um, us out here in, in Illinois, we had a mild winter, so a lot of downtime to get all that taken care of for sure. Now walk me through, cause th- this is one of those interesting time of years. Like in, in my opinion, the busiest time of years for the snow and landscape provider is spring and fall, because that's where you have the mix of both playing in. Um, so walk me through what you're looking for 
in like a preseason landscape type of inspection? So preseason inspection, I mean, depending on, so we're, if I'm assuming we're talking commercial, so for uh, your commercial clients, um, if you service their winter needs or winter services, you're looking for damages um, in the landscape, um, any broken bushes, any torn up uh, grass, um, you know, all that, make sure if it was you, if it was your guys, you're taking care of that. If it's a contract, you're just receiving it's, you know, what did the guys in the winter do? Or if you don't service them, it's what, what did the guys in the winter do? You know, walk around, make sure everything's, um, you know, all damages, you, you know, you, 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 um, record all that because at the end of the year, I mean, that's going to be your damage if it doesn't get fixed by the previous, uh, provider. Right. For sure. And then talking to the to the either the client, whether it's the manager, the 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 account manager, whoever you're talking to, um, letting them know what to expect when and you know with any customer when you start services, um, and you know let them know you're ready to go. So, <clears throat> something I told my my snow providers before um, the snow season kicked off was that they need to set the tone. Um, you know, like it, it's abundantly crucial to get off on the best possible start. Um, I, I truly believe that, you know, if, if you had a hiccup in one of the first services, um, I, I think it takes about eight weeks for a customer to kind of forget about that hiccup. You know, I think for the, probably the next eight weeks after that hiccup, you know, they are, still somewhat on pins and needles a little bit. They're looking for, um, to, to get you on something else, looking for you to make a mistake, looking for you to trip up. Um, and, but again, you know, just the opposite of that, if those first few services go really well and the customer can tell that, um, things are on the right path, I think that they kind of back off, you know, and just kind of let you do your thing. Um, so what are some ways that a provider could really, you know, set the tone, uh, to come out of the gate strong? You know, knowing your scope of work, knowing, um, when, you know, the person you're working with, when they expect things, um, you know, and like I said, letting them know how you run things too, if it, if you're not working with the scope of work, um, getting your cleanups done on time. Um, you know, it's important to, to get out there and, and get, get the property clean, making sure the property is always clean. I mean, is really important, you know, showing up, really showing up. Um, I mean, I know that's, that sounds like, you know, everyone's doing it, but really not, um, not everyone's showing up. And, and I know it's, it's hard out there for some of these providers, you know, working with, you know, uh, whether it be a management company or, or whatever company they work with, you know, the contracts aren't the greatest, but Hey man, if you took on the contract, that's your word. So show up, um, and just make sure you're doing everything right. If, like I said, if we're talking commercial and it's a, a company you're working with, do they have an app? Do you know how to use it? Do you guys know how to use it? I mean, that comes a long way. Me, both you and I worked in, uh, facility management, um, with facility management companies. And we know that, I mean, 
the application is more important and you know that open line of contact making sure you're always contacting whether it be an account manager or a regional manager or whoever it is that's in charge of your area man just keep them updated you know it it, that little bit just goes a long way and really makes everyone's jobs easier i knew i know it's a little more time on the providers and and you know time is money but a minute phone call text message a quick email Man, you know, I remember when, you know, when we were working, just, hey, man, just just let me know you receive my email, please, you know, just, yeah. hey, I got it. Cool, you know, or text yeah. message, you know. It, it, like I said, just stuff like that, um, just showing up, man. It goes a long way. Um, it really goes a long way. And again, I mean, you know, we're, we're all professionals. Um, and, you know, if you want to be treated like a professional, you need to act like a professional. Uh, you know, if it's amateur hour, then cool. But you know, you're not going to get the um, get the contracts you want. You're not going to get treated like you want to be treated um, if you're acting like an amateur. And you know, and really, if you're a professional, man, I mean, whether the money for the contract isn't is there or not there, the extras is is really where everyone makes money. And I mean, if you're cool with with the person who handles your account. Hey man, it really any price you shoot them, that's the price they're going to go with because they're not going to go look for anyone else for the cheapest price or well, no, nah, they're going to go with you because they trust you and they know you're going to show up. But something that people have to understand when it comes to those enhancements and those out of scopes is the scope of work has to be fulfilled. You can't do a half-assed job on the scope of work and then suddenly expect to have all these out of scope and enhancement opportunities coming your way. Um, the scope mm-hmm. of work has to be fulfilled a hundred percent because you know, it, it, it's, it's as simple as this. Um, if they feel good about what they're paying for, they're going to buy more. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what, the, that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, going back and, to, and, yeah, go ahead. And the same rule for those who do residential, same rule, man. Same rule applies, uh, show up, um, keep your customer informed. The more they're informed, the more they, the more they know they're in good hands. Um, and be honest, if you're backed up, let them know you're backed up. You know, they'll understand, especially early in the season. Um, you know, just, just be there for them. I'm not saying gift them things, but be there for them with communication, customer service, just, just those two alone. I mean, I don't want to say if, if your work is, is half-assed, you know, or or you do like your work isn't all there. I mean, just your customer service and, and, and open line of communication that goes a long way. I mean, you could always fix your service down the line, but if you start with bad customer service and bad communication, your company isn't really going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things with setting a tone in mind is to, you know, is to pick a service day for that, for that account or that site and stick with that service day. Um, if, mm-hmm. if, if your service day is Tuesday and that customer can count every Tuesday, you're going to be there in the morning to take care of that property. Again, you're, you're, you're building that trust. Um, you're building, you know, that, um, that, that frequency they can depend on. Mm-hmm. And it's down on a lot of, unnecessary complaints because let's be real. Not all the, not all the complaints you get are legitimate complaints. 
you know, sometimes it's, you know, Hey, it's, uh, you know, just bad, sir, not bad service, but, um, you know, could be just a, a request for service. that's logged as a complaint. Um, but if you're doing it the same week or sorry, if you're doing it the same day, every week, it, it cuts down on all that because, and yeah, go ahead. And like, like I said, open line of communication. I mean, our clients know from the get go, as, as soon as you request an estimate, your estimate, it's letting you know, you know, Hey, we're going to be there this certain date, this certain day, let's say, let's call it Wednesday. But if it rains Tuesday and we're backed up, we're not going to make it Wednesday. So we're already setting the tone. Hey, we're, we're going to try to be there every day, Wednesday, but we don't work if it rains. Yeah. So if it rains, even if it doesn't rain on your day, it's a beautiful day, but it rained the day before, like, hey, we're backed up because we don't, we like to take care of our properties, you know? Um, we don't go out there and mow in the rain, especially residential. Commercial, I know there's a little more um, wiggle room there to to be able to mow in the rain, but really residential, we don't do it just because the, the work quality isn't there. We can't control the quality. So we don't work because I mean, we promise good quality work. So just be upfront with them. Be like, Hey, we don't, we won't be there, you know, on rain days, even if the day your, your service isn't a rain day, you know, it could have been the following day we're behind, you know, let them know what to expect. And like I said, that, that, that really helps you out because then they're not calling you like, Hey, where are you? It's Wednesday. Mm -hmm. It's sunny out. It didn't rain today. Mm -hmm. You know what happened? You know, they already know you're not getting that phone call. Yeah. And just the same, you know, if, if you're hitting it, um, with that frequency, you know, if someone comes in and they're like, Hey man, the grass is long and you know, it's Monday, you know, whoever's in charge of watching out for that landscape provider is going to be like, Hey, relax. It's Monday. They they come on Tuesday. They'll be here tomorrow, you know, and, and versus if it's just kind of hit or miss, then you're, you're guaranteeingly going to get a phone call. And it, it, plus it's hard on the customer too, because if it's hit or miss, um, you know, it, it's hard to know when to call to, to bring in that service. Um, and people also got to understand, I mean, they got to put themselves in the shoe of customer. I mean, a customer, you know, the reason why they're complaining is because they probably got burnt before. Oh yeah. Someone probably promised they were going to show up and they didn't. So do, does it get annoying? Yeah. Um, but like I said, you got to put yourself in their shoes and, you know, I got to understand they've been burnt before, so they don't want to be burned again. So really and every opportunity you get with a customer is, is really a test. It's like a tryout. It's like, man, are they going to come through? How's their customer service? Exactly. All that, you it's know, it's a tryout. And that's, that's how the, the, the first few weeks of the season need to be treated by providers, in my opinion, is that, hey, this is a try. And that's that's true in, in the commercial and residential yeah. industry. Yeah, for sure. Um, because, hey, I mean, you know, the first couple of weeks into the season, I don't have too much invested in you. And, you know, if I don't think you're doing what you should be doing, it's still you know, relatively easy for me to move on and find somebody else. But it's like anything, man. You got to show your value, you know. Why am I paying you to do this? Oh, this is why. And show them, this is why you're paying me to do this. Because at the end of the day, instead of getting a phone call asking you where you are, it's going to be like, oh my God, 
it looks amazing. I can't believe my, you know, yard looks this way, you know, XXX, you know, and, and all you're getting is compliments and tips, man. And it's not tips for you. I mean, it could be tips for you, but it's definitely tips for your guys. And, you know, happy employees is a happy company. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, that, that's the, the cool thing is when, is when you get to be on a side of it where you, you know, you get compliments and they come with frequency and it's a totally different feel to what we do when all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of raking in the, the, um, the thank yous and the good jobs and, and, and that sort of thing versus, you know, having to dodge, um, all the, you know, hateful words and, Hey, you know, you suck at your job and all this other kind of stuff, you know? Um, and, but again, you know, it, 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 getting there takes work and getting there means you have to do stuff the right way. hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, all right, going, going a little forward here. So, you know, April is, you know, part of the growing season, obviously a lot of rain. Um, you're trying to get spring cleanups done. So what are you looking at? So when does the landscape season kind of calm down where you would think that by this time of the year, because when you first start off, it's it might take a few weeks because you've cut everything back. You know, like the site looks very plain after, mm-hmm. uh, after a good spring cleanup. So how long does it kind of pop back to where it starts looking, you know, really nice and um, people can start to enjoy, you know, their, their surroundings. Man, really it's, it's right away um, with spring cleanup because, yeah, you do a fall cleanup, but a lot of people still don't get their leaves picked up or leaves fall oh, yeah. a little. Some trees drop them a little later than others. So, and not only that, I mean, with winter and everything, you'll have a lot of debris in, on your property. So I think right away with the spring cleanup, man, spring cleanup goes a long way. And a lot of people, not people, a lot of clients don't think they're necessary, but I really think they're very important, especially if you like to have your, you know, a manicured property, um, because the spring cleanup really, I mean, the guys are taking care of all the debris, cutting down all the plants, all the perennials that needed to be cut down, and really just making sure everything's ready for the the, the spring popping up and, and and summer. All right, so let's make our listeners some money. So, what are some common items to find that would generally be out of scope. I understand all contracts are unique and all scopes of work are unique, but I, you know, we, we, we both seen our share of scopes of work and there tends to be some things on there that are almost always, you know, not in scope. And so what are some of the, easier things that you can look for to find that you could especially find, um, during the springtime, you think? So anything that got damaged over winter, um, plants, I mean, they could be as hardy as they can, but depending on the winter we, we, we get, um, especially if it's a, it's a, if it's a really cold winter, I mean, plants 
really suffer. Um, look for winterburn on you know your shrubs. Look for damaged plants from snow piling. You know now what is winterburn? That winterburn. Oh God! <laughs> See, I'm very. It's so. It's when. So as. I'm bad at explaining. I mean, so but like, it's I'm, really I'm when. I'm sure it's some level of getting well below the temperature of where that plant can survive and maybe some sort of physical, um, you know, visible look to that plant. Yeah. But my question is, is it, can you kind of tell by looking? Oh, at for plant? sure. So, so, so for example, uh, like, like a boxwood. So boxwood is, is a very popular, um, shrub used out here in, in, in the Midwest, um, and especially out here in, in Illinois. So it's it's an evergreen. It's green all year round. But when you see a boxwood with winter burn, it'll start turning like an orange and eventually like a yellow, like a gold. And I mean, that's that's rare for a boxwood. So it's anything evergreen turning a color like that. Like if it would have gotten burnt by like I don't know, an exhaust or something. I don't know if anyone has seen that on, on like grass or, or anything like that. Um, that's usually a sign when it starts not being green, it starts looking like it's burnt and then it starts yellowing. That's uh that's a winter burn. Okay. Yeah. So I've I've definitely seen that before and just not known what it was. Um really even if you don't have experience in so let's say you're in the facility management and and you're you're walking around and doing a um uh, a site inspection if the plant does not look like its normal self um and really you'd be able to tell what a normal healthy sure. plant looks like and what a dead plant looks like yeah. so if it looks like something's wrong with it something's probably wrong with it sure sure okay so we've got we've got that um so some other things that i've noticed um kind of looking at some sites this spring that i've been kind of trying to take advantage of is you know paying special attention to intersections and you know that vegetation grow up around there just to see if you have good line mm -hmm. of sight um coming in and and exiting the property uh, I've, I've found you know quite a few of those cutting back yeah quite a few of those opportunities back, yeah um and then something also else, another yeah. opportunity that i was like i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt you, yeah, you, do. you keep doing um <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. If you want to finish, go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm much more patient than you. Go. <laughs> that that's true. <laughs> um, look at the grass. Not from damage from a plow, because obviously someone's responsible for that. Yeah. But um, look for any molding from snow sitting on 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 your lawn. I mean, that's true for residential and commercial is you'll notice after the snow melts, if there's like a, like a white kind of like spider webby, like thicker than like the spider web where it kind of looks like mold, okay. then you have snow mold mm. and that's an extra too that isn't on, yeah. on a scope of work. Okay. So look at the, so, so plants, any damage in plants and in the, and then the lawn. Okay. I think that's, that's out of scope work because everything else kind of typically falls in scope. So before I was very rudely interrupted, what I was going to say 
um, <laughs> was to, you know, pay attention to, you know, like your fences, um, chain link fence that have a lot of grow up. That's usually a pretty easy extra because, you know, majority of the time you can cite that as a security concern. Um, or again, you know, any vegetation that's, you know, kind of blocking, um, view from, from, uh, doors people would uh, exit and, and, and enter out of. Um, again, you know, looking at it for, you know, where would someone maybe lie in waiting to make an attack on somebody else? You know, like if you have some trees or bushes that are, you know, way bigger than a person, you know, someone can hide behind that. Um, so, you know, maybe, you know, getting them trimmed off the wall a little bit. Um, so they're not right up against the building, kind of adding some shape to them, uh, making it a little bit, you know, harder for, again, someone to use that to their advantage if they're trying to do something they shouldn't be doing. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I've had a lot of, um, a lot of success at selling, you know, fence, cl fence clearing type of jobs. And again, they're almost always out of scope, uh, which is something that you can probably get done, you know, twice in a landscape season, if not three times, depending on, you know, how, how fertile the ground is. And I mean, along going along with that, I mean, and this is kind of a, a winter service that you could offer to both uh, residential and commercial clients is dormant pruning. Dormant pruning pruning isn't on any scope of work that I've seen, um, especially in a commercial, um, for commercial uh, clients. So dormant pruning, I mean, that's something you could do January, February. I mean, you could do it in March too, um, but really I think that's, that's another way to make easy money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and plus, you know, after the after the winter, you know, checking out the parking lots, you know, looking for damages there from like potholes and stuff, um, or you know, failing asphalt patches. Um, generally speaking, you know, curb damage is associated to the to the snow provider. Um, but again, you know, maybe you know the snow provider uh, is, is flaking on their responsibility and it still needs fixed. Um, you know doesn't hurt to try to put a proposal together and submit that. Um, worst thing they can say is no. Um, so, and then also, you know, uh, sign damages too. Um, really just, you know, it's when you're going out to do these types of inspections and these looks at these properties, you know, looking at the entire property, not just the landscaping. Um, cause something else that you could sell right now too, um, would be kind of like a, um, a parking lot sweeping, um, or something like that. And you go, well, Hey, you know, I don't do parking lot sweeping. Well, you can probably facilitate it though. Um, and you can probably partner with someone to, you know, get them to do a one time or, you know, uh, two time clean for them to, to, to get some residual, you know, salt and, um, aggregate type stuff out of the way. Uh, to, you know, give them a, a nice, clean, uh, clean look on their property. And for those who don't have connections like that, you know, with, with sweeping companies, I've seen guys do that, you know, with a, with the backpack yeah. blower and a push broom and, you know, they're taking care of, you know, obviously we're not talking about Home Depot's. There is guys from our experiences that would do yeah. that. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about smaller you know, 7-Elevens or, you know, type stores like that, you know, that are easy to take care of. That'll take you an hour or two where it's still profitable for you to go out there and get it done. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Um, and then again, you know, this time of the year is a decent time for power washing too. If that happens to be a line yep. of service or something you can kind of throw in because there's not that much 
um, overhead to get involved in that, you know, sort of line of service. So mm-hmm. that's something you could bring in pretty easily. And again, you know, offer that, and, you know, make, make some extra money, um, to start off the season, which again, you know, if you are, uh, you know, if, if you're able to provide solutions, um, to your clients, you know, you're always going to have a place with them. And so maybe you don't do it, but that doesn't mean you can't help them find, you know, or facilitate that somehow for them. And that goes a long way. I mean, that that's that that goes along with great customer service. If there's something you can't do, and you know someone that's great, you know, at doing it, and it's a good company that you want to recommend and you trust, do it. That goes a long way. That customer won't drop you for anything. You know, they'll still use you for other things that they'll be able to use you for because you were honest and you know upfront about things with them. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, so next week we are going to be, uh, bringing on a guest. Uh, the guy's name is Chris Hempill. You probably never heard of him. Most people haven't. Um, but he is a, a family friend of mine. Um, this guy is a success story. Um, you know, didn't graduate high school, owns his own business, has done very, very well for himself. Um, and he specializes in like the removal of like nuisance animals. Um, so again, with, the with kind of the landscaping property management theme we're going into here in spring, thought that'd be a good guy to, uh, to talk about maybe some signs that you might have some nuisance issues going on and kind of how to go about, you know, um, some things you can do to, um, to help that out. And if it is, you know, too big for you to be able to handle in house, you know, how, how to go about finding a reputable, um, a, a reputable vendor to get that problem solved for you. And we, we may even get into a, a conversation about money too. Um, this guy is, uh, you know, understands finances pretty well. And, you know, he's, um, you know, taught some people that I know some things about money and, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I'm not always the best with, with money and, you know, doing smart things with money. Um, so any, anything (laughs) out there that, you know, can, can help that part of my life out. I'm always welcome to hearing How about you. Oh, I mean, I'm not the smartest with money, but I also don't gamble away my money. Um, wow. But no, I would, I would, I would, Hey man, what the hell? (laughs) No, I mean, it's completely true. You know, I mean, between sports betting and casinos, I don't stand a chance and lottery tickets and Powerball too. I mean, there's four different things, but you know, I mean, one day I'm going to hit the Powerball and you ain't going to be laughing no more. You know what I'm saying? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, go ahead. Some, I don't know what, if you, if you were done talking about our, our, awesome guests for next week no go ahead (laughs) anyways some people might be asking you know why aren't these guys talking about mulch why aren't these guys talking about edging or you know any of that that isn't included in the scope of work it's not that we forget it's i mean you're used to commercial scopes of work yeah yeah. you know that's all included for those of for those of you guys who don't work in commercial um if you get a commercial contract uh most of those things will probably be, be included in uh, your scope of work so they would be included in your contract for those of us who do a lot of residential landscape that is not part of it could be part of a contract yeah a year contract if you work that way but if you if you offer a la carte uh, services um 
and spring cleanup is mostly just cutting down perennials and cleaning up debris and, you know, leaves and, and all that good stuff. I mean, you still have edging that you could offer your customer and that's super simple. There's not a lot of, um, I mean, there's not a, a big investment in that. All you really got to do is buy a spade shovel yeah. or anything that you're comfortable edging with. Um, another thing is mulch. Mulch is another great service to to uh, extra service to offer your residential clients. Um, now, you know, let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. So I've heard before. So okay, you know, when when we talk about mulch, because you have laying down fresh mulch, and at times maybe you know taking some old mulch out if it's way too over overfilled to make it look appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also sometimes, you know, maybe you just turn the mulch as kind of a cost saving feature for the customer. But yep. what about painting the mulch? <laughs> um, because I, if I've, it's I've heard rubber, this idea before, no, with wood mulch, with wood mulch about I don't, going out and, you know, painting it to make it look fresh. It'll be a cheaper option. For I sure. can see it, yeah. but it's not beneficial. No, I because mean, <laughs> that that yeah. that chemicals getting into your flower sure. beds. Yeah. Um, it could damage your your plants. I mean, landscape. I feel like it's probably a fire um, hazard is, too, right? Yeah, landscape is not cheap, so yeah. I I wouldn't recommend it. Plus, mulch degrades; yeah. it washes away. Right. So unless you're adding like a a I don't know what you call it, a product that makes it stick. Sure. Then you know your your SOL because yeah. it's gonna wash away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if it was like a rubber mulch, I could see it. Right. For sure. Yeah. No. But uh, just no the natural mulch. There's no way. I heard that a couple of years back, and I you know heard it, and I go, man, that's bullshit. You know, like no one's out there doing that. And then I started thinking about it and I started hearing a little bit more about it from some people. And I go, huh, like, I wonder if this is like one of those, you know, I don't know, kind of under the table practices that no one's going to tell I've you. I've never about. heard. Okay. I've never heard about it. So it must be no. like a certain level of like degenerate provider out there that would do something like that. I wouldn't say that because I, I mean, someone would get offended, uh, but it, I mean, it's a serve. I mean, if, all right. For example, if I was working for a facility management company and they were paying me pennies on a dollar and I was making no money, sure. then I'd go out and probably paint some mulch <laughs> for you. You're, yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not even going to lie. You know, I'm going to try to cut corners a hundred percent because that's what people do. Yeah. But if you work for, if you're working for a customer, I would, no, nah, man, just either replenish it. I mean, if, if you have existing mulch, that's great. Turn it. Um, now speaking of turning the mulch, so how many times could you turn it and still get kind of the desired effect? I think one time, one time. Okay. One time. I mean, it also depends on the thickness, but no one should be laying like four inches of mulch on, on a plant bed because I mean, you're killing, you're going to kill something. Yeah. Yeah. And plus that's too mulch, too much mulch. It's. It's just not going to work. Right. right. Okay. But another thing, I mean, to, to offer your residentials, I mean, I know we've been talking about a lot of services, but look at their grass. 
um, overseeding right now, especially in Illinois with the cool weather, the perfect time um, for seed to germinate. So overseeding, um, bare spots right now would be a good time as well. Now, Along their driveways, a lot of people, you know, either step on, drive on their, their grass on the edge of the driveway, or it's yeah. really looking really bad right now. I think a little soil and some seed could go a long way. Yeah, yeah. And it, and this is all services that could be done by anyone, really. I mean, if you wanted to do it at your house, it's something to get done right now. Um, you know, just really for anyone for starting up or anyone that that's been in the business. So it's great. It's it doesn't it doesn't involve a lot of money. Mulch is really it's just the investment in buying the mulch, but really edging is just the shovel and seeding is really the seed. So all this is just things you could do on your own or without a big a large investment. Right. Okay. So now I get my house, you know, it's a new construction. They put sod in the front yard and I don't know, like 10, 20 feet up on the sides, but then the rest of the sides and all of the back, see, they just put seed down, which the house was done in late October. So last year. Yeah. So there wasn't much time at all for that to take. And, you know, barely any of it did at all. So, you know, it's just been, and you don't see anything popping up right now. I mean, there's, there's grass in spots, but it's not, it's definitely not widespread. Um, so what would you recommend for something like that? Being selfish here with this question, but I'm sure there might be some other people out there that could be in a similar situation, um, with a property. I would overseed it. Um, if you can get it turned, if it's, if it's bare and it's worth turning it, I would get it turned and, and reseed it, get some type of starter fertilizer on it. Um, like a triple zero, I think don't, you know, I mean, whatever people do in, in your area. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is what we do out here, but like a starter fertilizer for sure. Um, and some type of, uh, erosion control. Okay. blanket over it yeah um and i think i mean it's seeding is 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 kind of hard man because you still i mean right now it is perfect because the ground is moist so sure. you won't have to water as often um but i I think that that'll end up with, with a good result yeah yeah okay yeah i'm gonna have to try that and, and keep you updated on the progress um yeah hoping to get some some grass back there really hoping that the the turf out front you know was able to take um before it got too cold because it was kind of a race i mean it also depends on on your your soil quality too i mean if you have good soil it, it should take up a little quicker but if yeah. it's a little more clay um we've got some pretty good soil down here um yeah so there's a chance but we'll see hopefully it starts uh starts growing and coming to life here pretty soon uh, yeah, but I mean, for sure, do that, and that that should help. I think. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, okay. there there's there's people out there that probably have different opinions, but I think that should work. You're the professional landscaper, so I'll go with yours. See, I don't see see a lot of people tell me that, but I just I don't see myself as a professional. I just so you're humble too. I just been doing it for a long time. That's another award winning <laughs> trick. <laughs> All right. 
So we're going to wrap this episode of the industry up. Uh, again, please join us next week. Uh, going to have a really cool guest and should be able to, to bring a lot of information. Uh, Carlos will be back it. next week too. And we will see you guys then. Thanks so much for joining us. See you guys. To the industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure. Thanks for listening to The Industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review.